Well, today we are going to take a break from our series in Hebrews. Uh, so let's, let's see what God has for us this morning, but let's pray first. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we love you and we praise you because you are the giver of all good things. Lord, we just want your truth this morning. We just want to hear the truth of your word and we want to penetrate our hearts and our minds, Lord, and that we can leave here changed because of your truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Many people might uh, get a good picture of what this is. This is actually death row. Uh, death row is where people go after they've been convicted of a very heinous crime awaiting to be executed. It's, it's, it's a very serious, serious place. Uh, you may or may not have heard the term dead man walking. And it kind of has this idea that they are, they're marked for death awaiting the sentence to be carried out. Not a place that we would like to be, amen? There was a gentleman by the name of Raymond George Riles. This gentleman was born June 1st in 1950. He is still alive today and he's 71 years old. He's a prisoner in Texas and he's been there since 1976 when he was sentenced to, to life in prison after being on death row for 45 years, 45 years being uh, sentenced, knowing that he's sentenced to die, and then it's on again, off again, on again, off again, on again, off again. He was convicted of a December uh, 1974, that was a, a three months before I was born, for a capital murder of a gentleman named John Henry. He was a, a, car, uh, a used car dealership uh, used car dealer in Houston. Riles was ruled competent to stand trial in the 1970s, but while on death row, he was repeatedly found too mentally incompetent to execute. Riles' initial capital conviction was reversed on an appeal because the prosecutors improperly in introduced evidence of a separate crime into that trial. In 1978, Riles was convicted again and sentenced again to the death penalty, two years before his prior one. Fast forward to 1986. His scheduled execution was stayed because of concerns over whether the death penalty was wrongly applied in that case. 18 years after that, in 2008, an assistant director of uh, County, Harris County in Texas said that Riles' mental illness prevented him from being executed, but she said as he's been on death row all these years, his mental health was tested on a regular basis and that he could become eligible again for execution. 13 years after that, February of this year, 2021, attorneys filed uh, Riles filed a, a habeas petition for a new punishment hearing before the Texas Court of Criminal Appears because potential mitigating factors such as mental illness were not considered as heavily in the 70s as they are today. June 9th, just eight days after his 71st birthday, Riles was resentenced to life in prison. And it's ongoing for the pardon and parole as, as they go case by case. He is still there today. 
Could you imagine being on death row, being a, a dead man walking for 45 years? How intense would that be? Where you don't know from day to day if is this going to be the time where they, you know, it happens and, and then you get a kind of a stay and you get your hopes up, but then another one comes down and it's not. A dead man walking for 45 years. Well, the, the sad truth today, church, is most of the world is actually in this condition spiritually right now. See, if you're living on this earth right now and you are not saved, you have not placed your faith in Jesus and, and, and what he did, you are essentially a dead man walking. Spiritually. And at some point, physically. We all have an appointment with death, amen? They say life, none of us get out alive. Those who have not placed their faith in Jesus for salvation, listen clearly, you're not, if, if you have not done that, you're not awaiting judgment. There is going to be no trial. You are waiting for your sentence of execution to be carried out. It's exactly why this, the title of today's sermon is Dead Men Walking. That's, that's the, all of humanity that has not placed their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. Oh, Pastor Jared, you must be talking about that hellfire and brimstone Jesus. No one likes to hear about him, right? It's a really uplifting message. Well, how about this? I'll make you a deal. Let's look at these verses and we'll let Jesus speak for himself. I'm game if you're game. See, we'll see in today's text, Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus about this exact same thing. Hell is not a comfortable or uplifting thing to, to discuss. And unfortunately, many churches today veer away from this subject. But do you realize that Jesus spoke more about hell than almost anybody else in the entire Bible? In our text this morning, we will see Jesus explaining why he had to come to earth to save us. And church, he is our only hope. Let's get into our text this morning. We'll be in John chapter 3, 16 through 21. And um, let me just say this really quick before we get into this. Uh, those first two, uh, ver 16 and 17, those first two verses are often used to show the, the love and the mercy of God, which is a wonderful thing. You read these, those two verses and you kind of get this warm, fuzzy feeling about who God is. But 18 through, 18 through 21 tells the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say. Listen, half of the gospel is no gospel at all. Amen? We need to hear the whole gospel. We need to hear if God is going to save us, what is he saving us from? Let's get into our verses, uh, follow along as I read, starting in verse 16, which is the most popular uh, Bible verse in the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See what I'm talking about? The warm fuzzies. Love it. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. And this is the judgment, 
The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. If we take these six verses this morning and we condense them into one main idea, we would get this. Humanity sits on death row, but Jesus came to free us and give us new life. This is a clear picture of the gospel, church. This is the whole gospel. Let's get into these verses to see why that's true. Jesus came to save us and not to condemn us, these first two verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus came to earth on a rescue mission. He did not come to condemn us because we were already condemned. Because God is love, he made a way for us to be saved, to be reconciled to him. And what's that way? Well, he gave us his son who died on the cross to pay our penalty. Jesus came to earth. He was born, lived a perfect life, and became the sacrifice on the cross to pay our debt. And then rose again, defeating uh, death and sin. And we're promised this morning that if we believe in him, Now, let me stop for a second. Not believe he exists, because that's a different thing. Where I think people get kind of confused. You hear people say sometimes, oh, I believe God exists, so I'm probably going to heaven. That's not what it means to believe in him. You believe that God exists? Well, the Bible says so does Satan and his demons. In fact, they know he exists. That is not how we get to heaven. It's more than just believing he exists. We must believe that he is God. He is who the Bible says he is and that he's done the things that the Gospels teach us. That is how we get saved. And that is exactly how and why God the Father sent Jesus to save us. And that brings us to our first point this morning. Very basic, very simple. Jesus came to save us from our sin, not to condemn us. That part is true. You'll get no arguments from me out of that. Jesus did not come to the earth to judge and to condemn us. And people love hearing that truth because it's a good one. But I've basically seen people use those verses, those, those first two verses to like, you know, in a, you know, social media posts and, and kind of saying, look, here's, here's the Jesus you need to believe in. He's not condemning. There's, there's no wrath. It's all mercy and love. There is some truth to that. Jesus did not come to condemn us, but it's not exactly that warm, fuzzy idea that it sounds like. And Why? Verse 18, because we are already condemned. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the Son, only Son of God. If you're a human being and you're living on this earth and you have not placed your trust in Jesus and the work he has done, 
you are condemned already to spend eternity in hell. That's just the sad point of, of, where, we're, of where we're at between our relationship with God and each other. When, and you think, how could this be true? How could we just be born into this world and, and we're, we sin and we're, we're already condemned? There's not going to be this like big courtroom hearing where we get to stand up for ourselves and say, but look at all the good stuff I've done, Lord. Look, look at the things that I've done. I don't deserve this. Well, when you stand before God, you're going to be seen in one of two ways. It's either you're going to be judged by his perfect law, or you're going to be seen as someone that was bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no other option. Maybe you're thinking, well, again, I'm a pretty good person. I do way more good things than I do bad things. Well, it's easy to dispel that. None of us are good. Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen something? Have you ever hated someone? Have you ever looked at someone that's not your spouse with lust? Have you ever used God's name as a cuss word? Well, I'm guilty. I'm sure most everybody else in here are guilty of those things. Then we will be seen standing before God as lying, adulterous thieves in front of this holy God who we used his name as a common cuss word. How do you think we're going to fare? Probably not very good unless you are seen as someone bought by the blood of Jesus. You see, God is a righteous judge. He is love, but he's also a righteous judge that must deal with sin. It is the wicked judge that allows a criminal to come into his courtroom and knowing that he is guilty letting him go free. What kind of judge would that be? Listen, I will take the free gift of salvation through my faith in Jesus any day, amen? amen. People even exclaim sometimes, how could a loving God send people to a place like hell? Well, the simple answer is he doesn't. See, we rebelled against him and all he did was make a way for us to be saved. It's that simple. And it brings us to our second point this morning. We are condemned already, but faith in Jesus can save us. That is the truth that we need to understand this morning. The world out there are dead men and women walking. But faith in Jesus can save them. See, Jesus was explaining to Nicodemus, he had no reason to come and condemn anybody because we're all in that state. We're already condemned. Much like that Raymond Riles, who was on death row for 45 years, mankind is living out their days awaiting the final punishment, which is death and then hell. It's a bleak picture. This is the condition of every man and woman spiritually who has not placed their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, no matter how religious they think they are. Think about that for a second. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, who is a very religious man. But the good news of the gospel tells us Jesus has already done the work and will save those who would put their faith in him. It reminds us of our main idea this morning. 
Humanity sits on death row, but Jesus came to free us and to give us new life. This is why we are condemned, Jesus explains in the final verses. And I do think it's very cool that the creator of the universe came down in the flesh to save us and just takes a little bit of moment here to explain to us what the judgment is and why we deserve the punishment that we get. And this is the judgment, Jesus says, that the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus here what the judgment is. Basically, we all sin. We want to hide from the light in the darkness because we love our sin. We love our sin more than we love Jesus. We actually avoid Jesus, especially when we're unsaved and we don't know God. We avoid Jesus because we don't want the truth of his light shining on our sin. It's like that idea of you see someone comes and flicks a light on and cockroaches scurry and hide. That is us before a holy God. There was a, I love watching debates between Christian apologists and like leading atheists and stuff. And years uh, back, there was a really good debate uh, with Stephen Hawking, who's a theoretical physicist, brilliant man, obviously super brilliant man, who is an atheist, debating against a gentleman by the name of John Lennox, who is a genius in his own right. I think he's got a doctorate in math, he's a doctor of mathematician from Cambridge University. Two super, super, super smart men. Obviously two different points of view. Somewhere along the line in this debate, Stephen Hawking says, heaven is a fairy tale for people who are afraid of the dark. Think about what he's saying. Heaven, the idea of heaven, it's a fairy tale for people who are afraid of the dark. To which John Lennox responds, Atheism is a fairy tale for those who are afraid of the light. Amen. Amen. Nailed it. Here in our final verses, Jesus gives us a pretty good explanation of those two competing ideas in these verses. So if we're all condemned already, who can be saved? Those that are not afraid of the light. Verse 20, he starts in and in, in de- describing those who refuse to come to Jesus because they love their sin more. They refuse to turn from the realm of darkness, which is Satan, to turn to the realm of light, which is Jesus. They refuse because they want to hide in their darkness. They would rather enjoy their sinful, sinful lives in the secret of darkness then allow the truth of the gospel to set them free from the bondage and the consequences of sin. Those who avoid the light, they actually reject Christ's offer to save them. Think about that. They will never be saved from that judgment, that death sentence that they themselves have earned. What about those who can be saved? Well, those who trust and turn to the light, which is Jesus. It says there in verse 21, but 
Whoever does what is true comes to the light. Well, what does that mean, they, that they do what is true? Well, Jesus is also the truth. And we take part in truth when we recognize our condition that we're hell-deserving sinners. And because of who Jesus is, we turn to him for salvation, not ourselves and nothing else, not religion and nowhere else. We understand that we are condemned already and we turn to the only one that can actually save us. Second, true believers bear fruit in keeping with repentance. It's not just for getting saved, it's, it's for our Christian lives here on earth. Those who believe and put their faith in Jesus allow him to lead them now. And through this process of repenting and believing, we start to love the light. We start to be able to walk in the light and not be ashamed of what the light is showing us. And it brings us to our third point. Maybe. Those who believe in Jesus live in the light of the gospel instead of hiding in the darkness of sin. Those who believe in Jesus live in the light of the gospel instead of hiding in the darkness of sin. This is only possible through the work of Christ. It's an amazing thing how we make the gospel so complex when it's not. It's easy to understand when you realize the condition of mankind and what Jesus has already done for us. As we close this morning, as Joe comes up, I want us to think about how truly amazing the grace of God is. We cannot overlook this, church, as believers, how amazing the grace of God truly is. Whatever punishment that God decided to dole out on humanity, we earned it. But instead, he made a way for us to be saved. That is a loving God. We remember this as we, we remember our first point. Jesus came to save us from our sin, not to condemn us. That is true. This is the greatest story ever told. It shows the mercy and the love of a holy God that did not have to do what he did for us. Jesus came to earth on a rescue mission to save humanity. Church, if you know this to be true, if you have placed your faith in Jesus and you know what it's like to be forgiven, you know what it's like to be able to stand in the light unashamed, do not keep that to yourself. The world out there has to hear that message. But it only makes sense when we explain the entire gospel. Moving on to point number two. We are condemned already, but faith in Jesus can save us. If someone doesn't understand that they're condemned already, faith in Jesus isn't going to make much sense. If somebody does not understand the disease they have, they won't care about the cure. Most everyone walking around outside, I can almost guarantee you, if you ask them, they believe they're a good person, which many are according to the world's standards. You know, the world's standards, ah, nobody's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. I'm only human. 
In fact, we're really good at making excuses for why we lie, why we steal, why we lust, why we greed after things. We're pretty good at it. But the true answer to that question is we're all sinners, every single one of us. That is why we do the things that we do. See, God is pure and he's holy. That means zero sin can enter his presence. Zero sin can enter the presence of God. It would be like a dry leaf being tossed into a raging fire. That's about how long we would last in front of a holy God in our current position. But the, the, this terrible news is quickly extinguished by the good news of the gospel. Faith in Jesus changes everything. But it's a lot more about than just being able to get into heaven, and that's why I remember our third point. Those who believe in Jesus live in the light of the gospel instead of hiding in the darkness of sin. Jesus not only saves our eternal souls from hell, he calls us out of darkness to live in the light. Church, this morning, he is calling you out of darkness to live in his light. We no longer have to lurk in the shadows trying to please our flesh in this never-ending cycle of shame and pain. We can now stand in the light and our works can be seen before God. And when we mess up, we can turn to him for forgiveness and for healing. We have gone from being convicted murderers on death row to a child of God, being loved and cared for by the Father. This is available to all who would place their faith in Jesus, amen? And it reminds us of our main idea. Humanity sits on death row, but Jesus came to free us and to give us new life. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you sent your son to earth so that he may save us. It is true, he did not come here to condemn us because we are already condemned. Thank you for making a way to not only for us to be forgiven, but also a way for us to live in the light of your truth. If there is someone here this morning that has not placed their faith in you for salvation, I pray they would make that decision today. If there's a Christian brother or sister this morning that needs you to shine the light of your truth on something in their life, I pray that you would do that today and that they would respond. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.